hello, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. Pastor Brian here, senior pastor of Burntwoods Church. And I'm glad you joined me today. I'm going to be talking about trends in the American church, some things that I see happening in the church around us that I think are kind of troubling. Uh, I was going to talk about some good trends, too, but I'm going to be honest with you. I couldn't think of any. (laughs) That's, That's terrible, isn't it? But really, I've got my big legal pad in front of me where I write down my notes for the podcast, and I wrote down a section for good trends and a section for bad trends, and thought we could do like a one good, one bad, go back and forth. So it wasn't just discouraging, but I can't think of an actual trend in the church that's encouraging. Man. That's terrible to say that, but it's true. You know, a trend is, the definition of a trend is a general direction in which something is developing or changing. Well, things are changing, aren't they? I mean, (laughs) wow, things really are changing. Do you remember what church, um, I grew up in the church. You know, I grew up, ever since I was a little kid, I, I was in the church. And I have memories of church, and uh, man, how things have changed. This is what this is what church was like for me when I was young. Do y'all remember this song? I know Terry Stockman remembers this song (laughs) because we've talked about it. A week didn't go by when I was young and in church where we didn't sing this song. Now, fast forward to 2021. Here's what church is like for a lot of people nowadays. Quite a bit different, huh? (laughs) And you might like it. It's okay. I'm not telling you not to like it, but it's just different, man. Church is different. So anyway, uh, we'll, we'll... We'll let that illustration go. <laughs> I mean, it's just really illustration of the difference. I mean, it's just drastically different. That's one way of illustrating it. But good grief, things have changed all over the place. And maybe that's not a great illustration because I don't want people to think I'm saying that only old music, only hymns are what's appropriate. I don't mean that at all. I think you all know me well enough to know that by now. I've been leading worship here for like six years or something. And um Y'all know I don't always do hymns. I don't always do old stuff. So I'm not saying that it's, you know, old versus new, but I do see some things that have just changed drastically. And I want to talk to you guys about some trends that I'm noticing in the church that are kind of troubling to me. And they may not be as troubling to you. You might you might even just disagree with me completely, especially on this first one. So I, I've written down like um just four, four or five things that I want to share with you, and um, I might not get through them all. We'll see. I might combine some of them. But the first thing, and you might agree, disagree on this one, you know, as far as negative trends in the American church, the first one I want to bring up today is virtual church. I think this is a negative trend in the church. And I know a lot of people are going to disagree with me here. They're going to say, no, pastor, this makes church more accessible to people. It makes it um, people are able to visit before they have to physically visit. They can look in on us because we have a 
uh, virtual church presence out there. It's great for our shut-ins. It's great for um, people who are traveling. Um, I don't think any of those things hold water. I really don't. And you might be surprised to hear me say that. Of course, we started having uh, virtual church, online church, when the pandemic hit us, as so did everybody in the world, really, uh, especially in America. I mean, everybody went virtual real fast. And uh, virtual is never better than the real thing. Virtual cheeseburgers are not better than real cheeseburgers. You know, virtual worship's not better than real worship. It's not a substitute for real worship. And um, I just think that, you know, the arguments that we usually use really don't hold water because we can get uh, people at home. We can easily uh, provide audio or video of services, uh, of sermons, things like that. Um, you know, I don't think that it's necessarily a great thing for people to be able to glance into the church without having to show up at the church. I'd rather people who really wanted to visit to come and actually visit, um, in person. I, I just think that it's not a great thing. I think we're meant to gather together, uh, in person to experience worship together in person. And two of the reasons why I think that, I mean, it can be a good tool, but two of the reasons I think it's not a good thing and the trend uh, that I'm seeing towards virtual church is not a good thing uh, is, you know, two reasons are because one, many churches have embraced it as part of church life where they're encouraging people to be a part of their online or virtual church without ever even suggesting that they come be a part of the actual church. And so I think that's bad. I think churches shouldn't do that. I think we should be encouraging people to physically come be part of the body of Christ and worship in a corporate environment together. And then the other side of that coin is not only a church is encouraging people to be part of their churches virtually, but people are choosing to be virtual church attendees now even though many of them are past uh, the pandemic personally, they're going out and doing things that they used to do. They're going to work. They're going to play. They're doing all the other things they do. But church conveniently is now online, and so there's no need to get up on a Sunday morning and go. We can watch virtually. And uh, well, I don't think it's good. So I don't think the trend towards virtual church is a good thing. I think it's ultimately harming the church. I think it's harming people um, spiritually, who've decided that that's the way to engage with church. So I just don't think it's a great thing. That's number one. Number two, this is a trend, and uh, this is a trend. Remember, a trend is a general direction in which something is developing or changing. Uh, here's a trend. Criticism of Christians by Christians on social media, particularly YouTube, that's a trend right now that's just like out of control. It's become its own epidemic, a pandemic, whatever you want to call it. I mean, I don't know what's causing it. I don't know why the sudden explosion in criticism online. I think some people are just bored. I think some people, I mean, let, let me just be honest with you. Here's the way this works. I post uh, um, these podcasts to the website, Um to our podcast website. And over the past couple of years, uh, since we started the beginning of 2020, so year and a half, year, year and year and eight months worth of podcasts, we have like, I don't know, we're, we're getting close to 10,000 downloads. 
That seems like a lot, but that's for like 160-some episodes. It's, it's not that much. What I'm getting at is I could make a video, post it to YouTube, uh, that entitle it Seven Reasons John Piper is a Heretic, and I could get 7,000 views, 8,000, 10,000 views of that video based on its title alone probably in in a, in a day. So I think some people just do it because they know they can get people to click on the videos, which should be telling us something right there, folks. Don't click on the video. Don't watch it. Discipline yourself. Don't watch these critical videos where Christians are criticizing other Christians. And um, uh, But I think some, some people are just doing it because they want people to watch their videos and they found something that works. Um, I don't know why else, but gosh, I wish it would stop. I just think it's bad, you know. In First Corinthians, uh, Paul tells us that we shouldn't uh, we shouldn't be dragging each other into court before unbelievers, airing our grievances with one another uh, in the presence of unbelievers. How much more so should we not be posting YouTube videos about one another in front of the billions of people who have access to YouTube, billions of unbelievers who have access to YouTube? It's just crazy. Uh, so I wish we'd stop criticizing each other so much. Uh, we can disagree with each other. And there are some times where we publicly can disagree with one another and maybe even should do it. But I think it just has to be in the right spirit, the right forum. And I think just posting endless videos, uh, being disagreeable, uh, criticizing, and all these other things, I think it's not good. I think it's a troubling trend. I think social media is a troubling thing. If if you want me just to be blunt with you, I think the world is worse off because of social media. And I just I believe that with all my heart. I mean, I watch I know YouTube's part of social media. I love to watch YouTube videos just like everybody else I do. At night I sit on the couch with my iPad and look up things that interest me and watch videos. I learn things. I'm entertained. I get to laugh at you know, people falling off trampolines just like everybody else, whatever. But I just don't think social media has been good uh, for the world and definitely, definitely not good for the church. So criticism of Christians by Christians through social media, that's a troubling trend that I see in the church. Then this one, which is kind of a strange one, uh, I don't even quite know how to say this in a way that I'll, I hope you will all understand, but the third troubling trend I see in the church is the rise of what I'm going to call worship culture. And what I mean by this, uh, when I say worship culture, is this idea that's become really, really big in the American church that the primary um, thing, when we talk about worship, the most important thing that we're talking about is music and that music has become the primary thing in this worship culture that we see emerging, this trend in the American church, um, where, worship, where worship music has been elevated to the highest place. In fact, there are some churches uh, that proudly, sort of proudly proclaim that uh, that's, that is their focus, that they've decided to seek God this way through music, through a worship experience, utilizing music, and uh, and it's troubling uh, because the Bible tells us that the way that we engage with God most intimately is through His Word, uh, through the proclamation of His Word, the teaching and communication of God's Word. 
that's that's the high point of worship is the fellowship around God's word, not the fellowship around music. We're commanded to sing praises to God in the scriptures. And I believe we should, and I love music. But I don't like this worship culture. I also don't like the uh, that part of this worship culture is uh, that there's, there's nothing lasting as a part of this worship culture. Nothing lasts. Everything is just sort of here today, gone tomorrow. And, you know, at the beginning of this podcast, I played that clip of Sweet, Sweet Spirit, that old hymn. Uh, I haven't I haven't heard that in a church. I know for a fact I haven't heard that in my church um, in over 15 years. I know we sang it when I was in West Virginia. That's the last time I remember that ever being uh, played or sung in a place where I was present. But I still remember all the words. I know the melody. I can sing along without looking at a hymnal or looking at a scream. I know the words. I know the melody. I know because it was embedded in me, in my heart as a young person, because I heard it four billion times, you know, every Sunday night, at least once a week. I heard that song and other songs as well that just became part of who I was and my my experience as a follower of Jesus, as a worshiper of Jesus, it became part of the soundtrack of my life. And part of our new modern worship culture is that, you know, it's it's an industry. Number one, we really need to understand that that contemporary Christian music is a big industry that's churning out music just like the rest of the music industry. And, you know, it's like no matter how big of a or how good a worship song is, it seems to last for like two or three months, uh, and then we're on to the next thing. That's uh, really troubling to me because I want us to have a soundtrack of of our for our lives. What as we follow Christ, I think that music's important. So I don't love the rise of worship culture. I think it's a troubling trend in the American church. We need to be more focused on God's word. We need to be more focused on knowing Christ and less focused on our worship experience. And I'm making air quotes right now. Worship experience. Uh, we need to focus on Jesus, not uh, not being moved by music. So that's number three. Although, again, let me just say, I love music, and I love to worship through music, but I don't love the worship culture that's emerged in America. Number four. Um. The, this one, again, is something that you, you may not even feel like is a big deal because we don't see it in our church very much. We don't focus on it in our church, and so it may not feel like it's uh, as big a deal, but this is a big deal. And this is the obsession with signs and wonders, uh, this it, new signs and wonders movement that's begun to emerge in the last, really, really in a big way in the last 10 years or so, where we have basically entire movements churches, uh, groups of people, pastors, and church leaders who have just seemed to be completely obsessed with signs and wonders. And when I say signs and wonders, I don't mean like we pray for somebody in our church family uh, for God to heal them, and uh, God does heal them. I believe that can happen. You know, you've heard me pray that from the pulpit here. You've heard me pray for people in our uh worship service that God would heal them. I believe in that. I believe that God does all sorts of miraculous things. Um, But signs and wonders movement is something different. The signs and wonders movement is obsessed with strange things like 
um, like visions of angels, um, like hearing God having uh, speak directly to you, giving new revelation. Um, there was a church out in California that famously claimed that God was meeting with them during their worship service. He was manifesting in their presence visibly as a cloud of gold dust that the glory of the Lord was with them. That was a sign of wonder. Uh, the appearance of feathers, angel feathers in worship services. People claim that uh, the angels are there, and you know because these feathers fall from the ceiling. It's just it's strange, strange stuff. Um, we hear uh, there's always stories of uh, resurrections and miraculous healings and uh, things like that, except that, Rarely, I don't say rarely, there's never any verifiable evidence. Like, if people were being raised from the dead, don't you think we'd be hearing about it somewhere? I mean, we have cameras in our pockets. We have news organizations, several of them running 24 hours a day. We just don't hear any of this stuff. So it seems like a lot of these things are just people's own obsession or desire to see these things happen. But I don't know if they're really happening. And again, it's a lack of focus on God's Word. People are wanting to experience signs and wonders more than they're wanting to engage with Jesus through his word. It reminds me, you can hear me flipping through my Bible right now. I'm going to read you a passage of scripture from John chapter 6, where uh, after Jesus had fed the 5,000, he's got this huge crowd of thousands and thousands of people following him, and he departs from the crowd, and the crowd catches up to him. They're just not going to let him go. And so, Uh, Jesus basically says to them in John chapter 6, verse 26, that the only reason you want to be near me is because I fed you and you want more bread. And then he goes on to say, do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him, uh, God the Father has set his seal. And so he's saying, focus on me, not the signs, not the wonders. The signs and the wonders were there in the ministry of Jesus to authenticate who Jesus was and what he was doing. So he's saying, focus on me. Don't get focused on the signs and wonders. Then they said to him, verse 28, what must we do to be doing the works of God? And Jesus answered them, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent. So believe in me. Again, he's saying, look, you need to focus on me. And they say to him, here it is. Then what sign do you do? that we may see and believe you. What work do you perform? So they wanted signs and wonders. And if you go on through that passage, read it to the end, you'll find that Jesus refused to give them what they wanted. He just kept pointing them to to himself, and the people left. The people walked away from him because they wanted signs and wonders. They didn't want Jesus. And uh, I think that this obsession with signs and wonders in our culture, in our church culture in America, is really uh, is really a damaging thing and a dangerous thing. And so, be on your guard when you get in, or you start listening to teachers, or you hear people on the radio, or you go visit uh, a relative and you go to their church. Just let your ears perk up a little bit as you start to hear these things about signs and wonders. And remember that we're supposed to be focusing on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, not on signs and wonders. That That's not where the focus needs to be. We need to focus on Jesus. So that's number four. Um, number five is a big one. I'm just going to say this one in uh, in passing, 
But I think that that we need to hear this. Number five, this is a disturbing trend in uh, in the American church, is we see the church chasing after the culture um, in an effort to win the culture, or the church conforming to the culture in order to attempt to win the culture. And I put that in, I say that there's this attempt to win the culture, because I believe that most times it'd be people chasing after the culture or conforming to the culture or compromising with the culture uh, starts as a genuine desire to win people to Christ, but it ends in a departure from faithfulness to Christ. And we saw this happen in 2020 vividly with the social justice uh, issues that began to emerge in our culture. And listen, I want real biblical justice for all people. I mean, and this is... uh, I'm not going to talk about what that really means here because it would take an hour and a half, uh, but I want biblical justice, and I don't want any person, regardless of skin color, uh, I don't want anybody to be treated wrongly by anybody else. I want justice, and where there's injustice, we should be able to speak to that injustice. But what we saw was something different in 2020, uh, where we saw churches just sort of like immediately chase the culture down a dangerous road. Uh, with the social justice agenda, which in many ways was contrary to, directly contrary to, um, in its values, it was contrary to the scriptures. And so we can't do that. And we've seen the issue with um, culturally, with the emergence of um, this this sort of enduring cultural conversation about uh, LGBTQIA+, I think I got them all in there. If I didn't, the plus is there for anybody I missed. And I don't mean that to just to uh, to be condescending. That's just really what it is. Uh, but this, this whole um, cultural conversation about gender and sexuality, and we've seen so many churches decide that this is where our culture is. Our culture has accepted um, that sexuality is not meant to be between just a man and a woman within the confines of marriage, but sexuality can be expressed in all sorts of way, ways between men and men and men and women and polyamorous relationships and uh, where mul- there are multiple partners living in a uh, relationship together and all sorts of uh, transgender issues, of course, which have become huge issues in our culture. And we've seen the church chase after the culture and say that because the culture has accepted these things, in order for us to stay engaged with our culture, we too must accept these things. Brothers and sisters, that's not that's not true. Um. The church, I always have loved what Jerry Vine said. This has stuck with me through my ministry, and I believe it's true, where he says the church was always most effective in the world when it was least like the world. And, you know, brothers and sisters, the truth of God's word never changes. And so we need to stand firm on God's word and not chase after the culture. But I see that as a trend in our culture where, or in our churches in America where our churches seem to be chasing the culture um, and conforming to the culture rather than transforming the people around us we're conforming. And that's dangerous. And so um, so that's that's another another trend, another bad trend. And then another or the last one I'll say, this is just my last one. I wrote down this word, I don't even know if it's a real word. I don't even know if I can pronounce it. 
But here's a trend I see in the American church that's not new. It's been going on for decades, but I see it more and more, and that's the professionalization of the ministry of the local church. And what I mean by that is that many churches um, seem more like businesses than they do churches. Uh, The pastors seem more like CEOs than prophets. Uh, The structure of the church seems more like the structure of a big corporation than it does of a gathering of believers who are meant to live as exiles in a culture that doesn't accept them, you know? So I just, I feel like we have to be careful about that, that your pastor is not a CEO. Your pastor is a servant of the Word of God, and uh, the church is not a business. The church is the body of Christ, which is meant to make disciples of all people all over the world and train them up um, in the things of God. So we got to be careful about allowing the church to become a professional uh, environment, a, a, a business-like environment, a corporate environment. The, the church is a, uh, a living organism. Uh, it's the body of Christ, and we're meant to live out our lives that way. And the, the church ought to have a prophetic voice in the culture and in the world, and we ought to be striving to reach the world with the good news of the gospel so that people can be reconciled to God. So those are just some things, some trends. Those are the big things. I could give you subpoints under each of them, but those are just sort of big things to think about uh, when we think about where's the church going. And for me, I think, what do we not want to be? Like as your leader, as your pastor, I don't I don't want to be a virtual church. I don't want to be that. I don't want us to be virtual. I want us to be a real church. <laughs> you know, I don't I don't want us to be critical and uh, I don't want us to be backbiting other Christians and just treating other Christians poorly. I don't want us to see God's word take a back seat to anything including the music of the church. I don't think that's a good thing. And I don't want us to see or I don't I don't want to see us become obsessed with signs and wonders. I want us to be focused on Jesus. I want us to be focused on Christ and and uh and not chasing after the culture. I don't want us to be conforming to the culture and I don't want us to be uh a church that's just a, another business in the world. I want us to be prophetic, um life-changing uh gathering of people who are making disciples of Jesus. So, those are some trends again. I couldn't think of any good ones. I couldn't think of any good trends. Maybe I will tonight when I'm sitting on my couch watching YouTube. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Um, but but if I do, if I think of some good ones, maybe next week I'll share some good trends. Or here's an idea. I'd like to maybe next week talk about what I'd love to see. At, what trends would I like to see in the American church? Maybe we'll talk about that this week. We'll see. But for now, I'm going to end it right there and uh, let you get back to your day and me get back to mine. And uh, hopefully I'll be seeing, this is always recorded on a Tuesday, so hopefully I'll be seeing some of you on Wednesday. If you found your way here and you're looking for a church home, you can always join us at 1045 on Sunday mornings. Our worship service begins at 1045 on Sunday mornings, so come on out for that. And uh, until then, I guess God bless. Have a great week. I'll see you soon.